open with a word of prayer, then we'll jump into Psalm 78. Heavenly Father, this evening we do rejoice at your faithfulness. Rejoice in the hope that we have. It's an unending hope. It's a sure hope because you are a faithful God. And Heavenly Father, I pray that we would be reminded this evening that we'd be challenged to make that faithfulness known to the next generation. Not just to assume that they will hear it at church or at school or from others, but to speak of it ourselves. To tell them what our God has done and who he is. That you may be honored in the next generation. We pray all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Psalm 78. Like I said, it's a long Psalm, 72 verses. So I hope you're planning on being here for a while this evening. (laughs) Psalm 78. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, telling to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded to our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, the children who would be born, that they may arise and declare them to their children that they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments and may not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not set its heart aright and whose spirit was not faithful to God. The children of Ephraim, being armed and carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. They did not keep the covenant of God they refused to walk in his law and forgot his works that his wonders and his wonders uh, that he had shown them. Marvelous things he did in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt, in the fields of Zoan. He divided the sea and caused them to pass through, and he made the water stand up like a heap. In the daytime also he led them with the cloud, and all the night with a light of fire. He split the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink in abundance like the depths. He also brought streams out of the rock and caused waters to run down like rivers. But they sinned even more against him by rebelling against the Most High in the wilderness. And they tested God in their heart by asking for the food of their fancy. Yes, they spoke against God. They said, can God prepare a table in the wilderness? Behold, he struck the rock so that the waters gushed out and the streams overflowed. Can he give bread also? Can he provide meat for his people? Therefore the Lord heard this and was furious. So fire was kindled against Jacob and anger also came up against Israel because they did not believe in God and did not trust in his salvation. Yet he had commanded the clouds above and opened the doors of heaven, had rained down manna on them to eat and given them of the bread of heaven. Men ate angels' food. He sent them food to the full. He caused an east wind to blow in the heavens, and by his power he brought in the south wind. He also rained meat on them like the dust, feathered fowl like the sands of the sea, and he let them fall in the midst of the camp and around their dwellings. So they ate and were well filled, 
for he gave them their own desire. They were not deprived of their craving, but while their food was still in their mouths, the wrath of God came against them and slew the stoutest of men and struck down the choicest men of Israel. In spite of this, they still sinned and did not believe in his wondrous works. Therefore, their days he consumed with futility and their years in fear. When he slew them, then they sought him, and they returned and sought earnestly for God. And they remembered that God was their rock and the Most High, their Redeemer. Nevertheless, they flattered him with their mouth, and they lied to him with their tongue, for their heart was not steadfast with him, nor were they faithful in his covenant. But he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity and did not destroy them. Yes, many a time he turned his anger away and did not stir up all his wrath, for he remembered that they were but flesh, a breath that passes away and does not come again. How often they provoked him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Yet again and again they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember his power the day when he redeemed them from the enemy, when he worked his signs in Egypt and his wonders in the field of Zoan turned their rivers into blood and their streams that they could not drink. He sent swarms of flies among them, which devoured them, and frogs which destroyed them. He also gave their crops to the caterpillar and their labor to the locusts. He destroyed their vines with hail and their sycamore trees with frost. He also gave up their cattle to the hail and their flocks to fiery lightning. He cast on them the fierceness of his anger, wrath, indignation, and trouble by sending angels of destruction among them. He made a path for his anger. He did not spare their soul from death. He gave their life over to the plague and destroyed all the firstborn in Egypt, the first of their strength in the tents of Ham. But he made his own people to go forth like sheep and guided them in the wilderness like a flock. And he led them on safely so that they did not fear The sea overwhelmed their enemies, and he brought them to his holy border, this mountain which his right hand had acquired. He also drove out the nations before them, allotted them an inheritance by survey, and made the tribes of Israel dwell in their tents. Yet they tested and provoked the Most High God, and did not keep his testimonies, but turned back and acted unfaithfully like their fathers. They were turned aside like a deceitful bow, For they provoked him to anger with their high places and moved him to jealousy with their carved images. When God heard this, he was furious and greatly abhorred Israel, so that he forsook the tabernacle of Shiloh, the tent he had placed among men, and delivered his strength into captivity and his glory into the enemy's hand. He also gave his people over to the sword and was furious with his inheritance. The fire consumed their young men, and the maidens were not given in marriage. Their priests fell by the sword, and their widows made no lamentation. And the Lord awoke, as from sleep, like a mighty man who shouts because of wine. And he beat back his enemies. He put them to a perpetual reproach. Moreover, he rejected the tent of Joseph and did not choose the tribe of Ephraim, but chose the tribe of Judah, Mount Zion, which he loved. And he built his sanctuary like the heights, like the earth, which he has established forever. He also chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheepfolds. From following the ewes that had young, he brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, and Israel, his inheritance. So he shepherded them 
according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. As you may have noticed as we're working our way through there, Psalm 78 is essentially a recounting of Israel's history. Of God's faithfulness throughout their history, even despite their unfaithfulness. And that's what you see time and time again through here. In the first 11 verses here, we see the purpose for writing, to instruct and to remember. It's an invitation to come and to listen and to hear and to learn. Give ear, my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the word of my mouth. Listen. Listen to what our fathers have told us. Verse 4, telling to the generation to come to the praises of the Lord, his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. He commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, to the generation to come, that the generation to come might know them. Verse 6, the children who would be born, that they might arise and declare them to their children. The purpose of writing this down is that the generation after generation after generation might be able to look back and to remember and to see that's who our God is. That's what our God has done. Verse 7, that they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep all his commandments. Listen, see, remember. Verses 8 to 11 recount the failings of the fathers. They failed to listen. They failed to heed. They failed to see. Or I should rephrase that. They saw, but they failed to let what they saw impact them. They failed to really listen. A stubborn and rebellious generation, they're called in verse 8. A generation that did not set its heart aright and whose spirit was not faithful to God. They did not keep the covenant of God. They refused to walk in his law. That's a word of purpose there, the word refused. This is not an accident. It's not a misstep. It's a choice. They refused to walk in his law, forgot his works and his wonders that he might show them. They forgot. They saw, and yet they forgot. This is written that you might know, that you might remember, that you might pass this on to the next generation, who will pass it on to the next generation, and the next generation, that all generations might proclaim, look at our God. You almost sense actually an excitement there in verse 12. In verse 11, they they forgot his works, the wonders that he might show them. There's a, a disappointment there. And marvelous things he did in the sight of their fathers. You can just picture the psalmist sitting down and writing this, and, and he gets to that point. He's like, Man, how did they forget this? Look at these great works that God did. Marvelous things. And where is it that he turns his attention? Back to Egypt. Time and time again, we've seen that through Habakkuk, through the last several psalms. Look back to Egypt. Look back to the Exodus and see who God is. 
He did marvelous things. He divided the sea and caused them to pass through. He made the waters to stand up like a heap in the daytime. Also, he led them with the cloud and now all the night with the light of fire. He split the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink in abundance like the depths. He also brought streams out of the rock and caused the waters to run down like rivers. Look at these great things that our God has done. And yet, verse 17 you see a shockingly inappropriate response to what God has done on their behalf. God has done all these things. It's almost a list one after the other. You can almost picture the psalmist running out of breath as he's writing it. But they send even more against him. Look at all these things that God has done. Look how great he is. Look how faithful he is. Look how powerful he is. But they send. And it's not just that they sinned, it's they sinned even more against him. It's a shockingly inappropriate response to all that they have seen of God by rebelling against the Most High in the wilderness. I mean, how is it that this people can come out of Egypt, can walk across the Red Sea, can sit at the bottom of Mount Sinai with the quaking and the lightnings and the thunderings. And build a graven image. They didn't marvel at what God has done. They weren't in awe of their faithful and their powerful God. In fact, they were more concerned with their belly. They tested God in their heart by asking for the food of their fancy. They were unfaithful. They were ungrateful. They were unbelieving. They spoke against God. They didn't marvel at what God has done. They spoke against God. How ungrateful can you be? In my mind... It's a picture of a, a toddler. A toddler who, who their parents provide housing for them. Their parents have fed them every meal of their life. They have never had need. At night, in the middle of the night when they cry, their parents get up. Those first several weeks and months, every three hours, their parents... I mean, these parents have provided everything for their kid. And yet, two years in, this kid throws a fit. You don't love me because you didn't get me the sucker I wanted. I mean, how ungrateful can you be? Do you not see all that I provided for you? You have not needed anything. I mean, it's a silly illustration, but that's just the picture of my head that I get here. Of people who God has done so much for, and yet they're so ungrateful. They're so unfaithful. They're so unbelieving. In fact, they know, we know that they know what God has done. They've seen him do it in verse 19. Can God prepare a table in the wilderness? They, they recount here some of the stuff that he's done. He struck the rocks so that the waters gushed out and streams overflowed. Can he give bread also? We've seen God give us water. He's provided that, but he hasn't given us bread. Can he provide meat for his people? The Lord heard this and was furious. Justly. He is justly angered. 
A fire was kindled against his people, Jacob. Anger came up against Israel because they did not believe in God and did not trust in his salvation. Even after God's gracious provision. Their unthankfulness. Their unfaithfulness. We expect at this point, verse 23, to say, so God consumed them. And yet verse 23, yet he had commanded the clouds above and opened the doors of heaven. He had rained down manna on them to eat. His provision in the wilderness, God's mercy, even in the midst of their unfaithfulness. He gave them bread. Men ate angels' food. Not just the crumbs of what left over, not, not moldy. Angels' food, the bread of heaven, food to the full. He caused winds to blow and rain meat down like dust, rather foul like the sands of the sea that fell in the midst of the camp. They didn't even have to go miles and miles to get it, it fell right at their feet. And they ate and they were filled. He gave them their own desires. They were not deprived of their cravings. Yet even in the midst of God's provision, they still complain. They still don't believe. They are still unfaithful. The wrath of God came against them and slew the stoutest of them, struck down the choice men of Israel. In spite of this, they still sinned. We've already seen it to this point. They have not responded to God's kindness. They have not responded to God's mercy and God's grace and God's provision for them. Maybe God can get their attention with his judgment. Maybe that will grab their attention. And so he slew the status of men. He struck down the choice men of Israel. And in spite of this, they still sinned and did not believe in his wondrous works. What a statement that is. It doesn't say they didn't see or they didn't notice. They saw it. They just chose not to believe it. They did not believe in his wondrous works. I, I know the Red Sea parted, but that couldn't have been God. It was just the wind. They chose not to believe in his wondrous works. For their days he consumed with futility and the years in fear. Verse 32 to 33 is kind of given the big picture what happened. Verse 34 kind of goes back for a second to this time in verse 31 when God's wrath came upon them. In the big picture, they did not turn. They did not change. But for a moment, they did, verse 34 tells us. When he slew them, then they, did, they, they sought him. They returned and they sought earnestly for God. Then they remembered that God was their rock and the most high God, of their, the most high God, the Redeemer. They remembered that. And yet it goes on, nevertheless, they flattered him with their mouth. They lied to him with their tongue, for their heart was not steadfast with him, nor were they faithful in his covenant. This change of mind, this devotion was short-lived. It was insincere. This was not genuine. This was not humble repentance. I mean, surely now, surely at this point, God is done with his people. 
They have complained. He has given them chance after chance after chance. They still don't believe. They still turn a blind eye to him. They still complain. They are so ungrateful. They are so wicked. They are so stupid. Verse 38. But he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity and did not destroy them. Yes, and many a time he turned his anger away and did not stir up all his wrath. I mean, here we see the grace of God abounding to an ungrateful and an undeserving people. Can you be more undeserving? Can you be more ungrateful? And yet, God's mercy is more. His patience is longer still. For he remembered that they were flesh, a breath that passes away and does not come back again. How often they provoked him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Yes, again and again they tempted God, limited the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember his power. In the day when he redeemed them from the enemy, when he worked his signs in Egypt and his wonders in the fields of Zoan. Now this is interesting. As you come to verse 44 and 43, he returns to the Exodus. So take note of this, right? In a psalm about remembering, he goes to the same instance twice. So maybe he wants you to remember that. Look back on that. He told you at the beginning, I want you to remember this. And then he goes twice to the same thing. To their time in Exodus then, and all that God did in Egypt and bringing them out. He worked his signs in Egypt. He turned their rivers into blood, their streams that they could not drink. He sent swarms of flies. I mean, these are the, his judgment on Egypt. These plagues that we know. Verse 52. He did all this in Egypt. But he made his own people go forth like sheep and guided them in the wilderness like a flock, the Exodus. He led them on safely so that they did not fear. But the sea overwhelmed their enemies. He brought them to his holy border, this mountain which his right hand had acquired. He also drove out the nations before them, allotted them an inheritance by survey, then made the tribes of Israel dwell in their tents. Look what God has done. Yet they tested and provoked the Most High God and did not keep his testimonies. Yet they tested and provoked the Most High God. They turned back and acted unfaithfully like their fathers. They turned aside like a deceitful bow. They provoked him to anger with their high places and moved him with jealousy with their carved images. Idolatry. They've seen God do all of this. And yet they turn to worship the gods of the nations around them. It is their God that led them out of Egypt. It is their God that caused manna to fall and meat to rain down. It is their God that guided them through the wilderness. It is their God that led them across the Jordan. It is their God that gave them the promised land, driving out the armies before them. It is their God that allotted these lands, that settled them 
in the land that he had promised, and yet it is not their God that they worship. And when God heard this, he was furious and greatly abhorred Israel, so that he forsook the tabernacle of Shiloh, the tent that he had placed among men. This is the first resting place of the tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant. It rested in Shiloh for uh, several centuries before it was captured by the Philistines. What we see here is that that was an act of judgment by God against his people. His presence is removed from Shiloh and then from Ephraim. In verses 60 to 67, what you see is that the, the, the greatest, the most prestigious of the tribes of Israel, they're set aside. They're rejected. And little Judah, little Judah, is chosen by God. He was furious with his inheritance, verse 62, God's judgment uh, by their enemies. He brings the enemies in. Verse 65 to 66, then God delivers them from the enemies. Verse 65 is kind of an odd verse. Then God awoke from his sleep like a mighty man who shouts because of wine. The idea here is just coming out of verses 60, 61, 62, 63, 64. To God's people, it has seemed like he is not there. Like he is silent. Like he's not doing anything. They fail to recognize that God has brought this judgment upon them, that God is at work. And so when God answers, and when God drives away the enemy, when God delivers them, it seems to them like, oh, finally, God's awake. He beat back his enemies. He put them to a perpetual reproach. God brings judgment. God delivers them. Moreover, he rejected the tent of Joseph and did not choose the, the tribe of Ephraim. The northern tribes, these prestigious tribes, these big tribes in the choice land, but chose the tribe of Judah, Mount Zion, which he loved. He built his sanctuary like the heights, like the earth which he has established forever. He also chose David, his servant, from the tribe of Judah and took him from the sheepfolds. Here we're reminded of the Davidic covenant, 2 Samuel 7, 10 to 16. After all this, God is not done with his people. After all this, there is a remnant. There is still a promise. God is still at work. There is still a seed that is coming. From following the ewes that had young, he brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people. There's a, a beautiful picture there from David coming from the fields where he is a shepherd into the throne on Israel, shepherding God's people, leading them, caring for them. So he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. God provided for his people through David's godly leadership. He continued to provide for his unfaithful people. God is faithful despite their unfaithfulness. So you come to the end of these 72 verses. This long accounting of Israel's history. And yes, we've seen Israel's failings. We've seen their unfaithfulness. And yet we are left in awe of God's mercy. 
of God's patience, of God's grace, time and time again. That is, in fact, the shocking reality of Psalm 78. It's not man's sinfulness. I think it is shocking for us as we, as we read it to be in such stark terms to be reminded of Israel's unfaithfulness. And yet, even as we read that, we know our own hearts, do we not? We might question, how could Israel do that? And yet we do the same things. We may not put it in the language of Psalm 78, but we're no different. We're so unfaithful, day in and day out. We may not build altars, but we have our own idols, do we not? We're no better than they are. And so the shocking reality of Psalm 78 is not man's sinfulness. We know that. We know our hearts. We know our struggles. We know our failings. The shocking reality of Psalm 78 is the mercy and the grace of God. And that's the good news of Psalm 78. That God is faithful despite the unfaithfulness of his people. That your God is faithful despite your unfaithfulness. And so when you come to the end of Psalm 78, may we not come to the end of this psalm and walk away with a resolve to do better than those who have gone before. That's not the lesson. The lesson is not, man, look how they failed. I can do better than that. It's not about what you can do. The lesson of Psalm 78 is look back and see God's grace and God's mercy. Don't lean harder into your effort to do better. Lean harder into your God and watch what he can do as you trust in him, as you put your faith in him, as you lean on him and his word day in and day out. Don't lean harder into your work and your effort. Lean harder into God. Don't resolve to do better. Resolve to trust. Resolve to grow. Resolve to teach. That's really the idea of this psalm. It comes to the end. There's two responsibilities. Teach and learn. Teach and learn. Teach the next generation of who God is and of what he has done in the past. Look back to the Exodus. Look back to David's life. Look back to the prophets. Look back to the Gospels. Look back to the epistles. Look, look back to Acts. Look back to church history. Look back to your own life. Recount what God has done to the next generation. At the same time, listen and learn from others. Be encouraged by what God has done in their life. Be reminded that your God is merciful and gracious. And that's good news for us because we are the worst of sinners. But God, his mercy is more. His grace is unending. And we rejoice in that hope. And so that's the message that we tell the next generation. It's not look at how they failed and do better. It's look at God's mercy. Trust in that. Lean on that. Learn from that. So may that be an encouragement to you this evening. May that be a challenge to you this evening. Tell the next generation. Speak up. 
We all have something to say. Let us not keep quiet. This time we'll take some 